everybody welcome back to the swingman podcast it is podcast number 96 and as ever i'm jo- i'm your host Jordan Ledger. john Zab all the time by louis halpin and lewis howard uh we're back after a little break we all well, know we did we do another one i'm trying to remember it i'm lost here has this been our break no this is our first one this is our first Christmas one back week. isn't it yeah it's the first one back um and i think there's no real better place to start off sort of going through everything nba over the christmas break then the most recent bit of news of clay thompson finally coming back for the warriors after like 900 and I think I saw, was it 937, something like that? 941. 41 days out of action. Uh, headband Clay hitting his, was it his, did he hit his 1800th or something? Or it was 18,000th. There, there was a landmark bucket he made of a three um, in the game as well. It's just good to see Clay being back, really. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it sets us sort of a, a, a dangerous little voice out to the NBA that the Warriors are now fully back and they're ready for this season. When you got those three there, sort of, it doesn't, you can't rule them out now at all. I mean, I feel like we've had this conversation quite a lot throughout the season of what the Warriors are going to be like when Clay's back. A lot, you know, and it's been the same sort of conversation every time, which is they're already one of the best teams in the league. He can only come and help improve them more. So they're probably the favourites for the for the West and maybe the favourites for the whole thing. And I think a couple of things have maybe altered to that a little bit or just given us some more information. One was what Clay actually looked like coming back and he's looking pretty healthy. He had a, a nice little dunk, little, uh, maybe a poster we'll call it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if you'd class it as a poster dunk, but that should show you that you know he's still got uh, some bounce. He's, he's he looked like he was moving about fine, so it's all looking good on that front. But the other, the flip side of it is, a lot of the time when those conversations were being had, it was kind of a bit earlier on in the season, and Steph was looking like he was going to be the runaway MVP. But now, fast forward to now, and he's still obviously in that conversation right up there, but he's no longer in that position. So maybe that alters the way people people look at it. They don't think that the Warriors are the out-and-out best team in the West because the, the Suns have been really good as of late and another team, have, which I'm sure we'll get to, that you might not put with those two, but have also been very good. Louis, any thoughts on Clay? Yeah, I think the main thing for me, I always knew he was going to be a bucket offensively when he came back. You know, that his... His injuries, you know, the ACL and the Achilles, I believe it was the second time round, and just the rust from not having played in that long. I don't think he was ever going to lose his shooting abilities, rhythm in that front. He's never been one that's, you know, been a heavy ball handler. Um, Quite athletic guy, but that's not really a big part of his game. So I thought offensively he was going to be fine. I think I just need to see how it pans out defensively because he was so important to that team defensively beforehand and that's the the area I think he can really 
add upon this Golden State Warriors team, even though they're already a good team offensively and defensively before he came back. But he's really, and you know, Andrew Wiggins has been quite good defensively this year as well, but he could really be a lockdown defender. I mean, he, he guarded Kawhi Leonard last time they're out in the playoffs, and no, they lost that. Um, he's pretty much one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. So that's what I'd be looking out for in terms of his lateral quickness. Um, just trying to keep up with some of the league's best. It, it will be difficult for anyone, let alone someone who's come back from, like you said, 940 days or so, not playing basketball. Um, I definitely don't, I, I, I agree with both of what Lewis I don't think Steph's runaway MVP favourite anymore. Definitely not. Though I think this, you know, maybe having a little bit less of a burden offensively, um, might help him a little bit in that regard, get his rhythm going again. I, I've never felt that the Warriors were the runaway favourites for the championship. I think probably whoever comes out of the East would be that for me. Um, but they're certainly a very, very strong contender. And yeah, we, we should probably talk about the other teams in the West that are kind of gaining a little bit of steam as well. Um, but yeah, it's great to see him back. It's good for the game. I think literally about five, thousand people tweeted that but i echo those sentiments really no indeed indeed i mean for me it's just in terms of the, the i think the nba it's like when i think of uh some of the star sort of marquee players in it for me clay thompson's right up there and with it with him not being in the league there was like this little void that's been left for me and it's similar to another player um and i'll sort of transition onto it in this regard um He's not fully back, but seeing we've we've mentioned it before, but seeing Kyrie back for me, he's that sort of he's just that player that is in the league that stands up for more of than what I don't know. I can't really find the words for it really from thinking about it now, but he's just sort of that star player that you always look out to see how well they're doing, is what I'd say. Essentially. Yeah. Um, it's quite it's quite strange yeah. as well because uh, Kyrie and Clay are very, very different types of players. Mm. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Kyrie's, you know, the ball handler and that's where his entertainment comes from. He's one of the most skilled. Yeah. I, mean, I think Chauncey Billups called him the most skilled in that position ever, which is a crazy, crazy statement, but he's probably not far off. Um, and Clay's more sort of like off ball mastery. And when he can yeah. get hot, it's just really, really fun to watch. But I, I do agree. They are two integral players to the NBA and, ha and have been for the past few years. As you say, you've got Kyrie, who is probably maybe outside of Steph, maybe maybe just on his own, the most exciting player to watch in the NBA. And then you've got Clay, who is one of the main parts of probably the main franchise of the NBA in the last like ten years or so. A hundred percent. Um is there anything you sort of either of you two want to push on to? What just in general, or are we or uh, are we still in on the clay? There's there's a couple teams I wanted to make sure we talked about in this podcast, sure. and I'll go. I'll stay in the West for the first one, and I'll uh, I'll segue it just with this quickly. So we said the talking about the clay return. It's been 941 days, and just to add some perspective to that, the last time clay played before he returned. Jarmorant was not in the NBA. So that's how long this clay has been out for. It's a very, very long time. But talking about Jarmorant, I want to get on to the Grizzlies. So I just, uh, there was this, there were some couple statistics from StatMuse, which is a Twitter account. And I just want to relay them here and get everyone's thoughts on them. And that's since Thanksgiving, 
the Grizzlies are first in net rating, defensive rating, win percentage, rebounds, blocks, and steals. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have believed that, but then from watching the Lakers highlights, you can the the Lakers game, you sort of can believe that sort of um, stat line. It's it's been a bit of a it's a whole team effort down in Memphis, is what yeah. I say. But they are obviously led by John Moran, and is it sustainable? Absolutely not. But it's a, it is a statement maker from the Grizzlies in terms of just laying down the law in terms of the West because. Going into it, I mean, they're what they. I assume I haven't got the sound in front of me, but they can't be that far off the sun's end if they're, they if they're pushing. Are, uh, I'll, I'll double check, but I mean, the real the real thing's been the top two and the Jazz as well, actually included, have all in the last ten games not faltered, but they're not performing to the level that the mm. wins column says at the moment. I think all three of them are six and four. And so you're looking at other teams, and I think there's been a lot of talk about the Lakers maybe starting to gain a bit of momentum with how well LeBron's playing. I'm sure we'll get to that. But the team that's actually been taking advantage of it has been the Memphis Grizzlies, who are 10-0 in the last 10. They're on a 10-game win streak. And since Thanksgiving and the stats I said before, they've had 20 wins, and the next best team has won 15. So they're really starting to push up to them to them top teams. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Jar Morant is the the sort of headline creator in that team. Just you see his highlight clips all the time. I mean, that block against um, like that LeBron the yeah, was, the, the was unbelievable. It, it was actually like, crazy. It, it kind of, and I know Donovan Mitchell used to get comparisons to Dwayne Wade, but. It, it did come kind of remind me of when Dwayne Wade, back in his sort of really athletic peak, used to do that type of thing. I don't think Dwayne Wade would ever got that high, actually. I think Jar's like on another level athletically, which is crazy to say when you think of the type of athlete Dwayne was back in the day. But I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I think even you said after Thanksgiving and they're topping all those stats, that would explain why they are 10-0 and, and don't lose very many games. Just dominate every mm. aspect of the game, basically, and you'll win all of them. Um, but I don't think, and you know, Jar's missed a few games. Um, so he's played thirty games in comparison to the uh, is it forty? What what what's their record? Twenty nine fourteen. So 43 about, games. yeah, forty three games that they've played. Um, so I agree, it's definitely been quite a large team effort, particularly from Desmond Bain, who's been really really excellent in his second year. He's averaging just under eighteen points. You got Dylan Brooks averaging over eighteen points, and then. Jaron Jackson Jr. coming in with 16. And, you know, he, to me, he was the second best player on that team before the season started. I'm not saying he's playing badly or whatsoever. None of this Memphis team can be sort of ashamed of the effort they're putting in because they're playing so well together. Um, it's just like a, a very good team effort. And uh, Stephen Adams been been a nice little fit there. I thought that might have been a bit of a downgrade from Jonas Valanciunas last year, but you know, he's grabbing balls, he's doing the stuff that he was doing for Oklahoma City for all those years. And it's just, you know, I think they're also benefiting from a very good team chemistry. They've been together for a couple of years now. They're mm. the sort of young upstart team, kind of like how Atlanta was maybe last year as a good comparison where they're trying to prove people wrong. And I think they're very well coached. I think Taylor Jenkins is an excellent coach. So I can't fault that. I, I wouldn't put them in the bracket of a, a Suns, or a, um, or, or a Golden State Warriors. Yeah. But, you know, they uh, could give anyone else in the West quite a good yeah. series. And I think they've and, them a good series as well. 
and they are now pretty much caught up to. They've they've played a couple more games, but they are one win now behind the Jazz on total wins. Mm-hmm. So they have created that separation between the top four now and the next few in the West. So, you know, securing a home court for them could be massive. Uh, here's a little stat about John Morant before we even we, we might move on to another team. Um, so I'm just looking at sort of clutch points per game, you know, well, clutch mm. points per position or whatever um, at the moment. And Joel Embiid ranks first, and he's been really, really good this season. I think it kind of goes under the radar how good he's been. Mm-hmm. Um, John Morant is second, and I think that kind of matches up with the eye test because whenever the ball is in his hands late on in the games, I, I kind of get a confidence from him that I haven't got from a player of that age in quite a long time. Even, well, maybe Luka Doncic can kind of figure into that a bit more, but maybe we can talk about the Mavericks as well because they've been quite good. And then you've got LeBron in, uh, third in 4.5, 4.5 points. So they've got really, like they're not a young team in the way they close out games because... Um, Traditionally, young teams falter in those types of areas and give up leads. They close them out, and they're very, very effective at doing it, even without Jar. So they're a strong team, and they're only going to get stronger in the years to come. Mm-hmm. It will be that's that's the one thing I'm very intrigued to see how this team develops around Jar, and then if Jar wants to end up staying in Memphis as well. I get the vibe that he isn't sort of the he isn't the type that's going to push to try and leave and go to a bigger market. Um, and I wouldn't want to see that because I kind of like no. seeing the I kind of like seeing the variety across the league in terms of some yeah, of the young players that holding out with their with their teams that drafted them. Um, Harold, I know you mentioned you had a, a few teams you wanted to talk about here. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anyone else in particular that you want to move on to? Yeah, there is, but they are in the Eastern Conference. So if Lou wants to talk about the Mavs now, I think it's best place to Let's do. Catch the Mavs up. Um, I didn't have too much to say about the Mavs. I only to really note that they have been quite good. And I think we have this general opinion that the Mavericks haven't been very good this year. Um, but they're 22 and 18 at the moment, which is probably about where they were last year this time as well. They've won seven. Uh, so the last 10, they've gone seven and three. I think they've gone 10 out of their last 15 as mm, well. And their defense yeah. has been really, really good. Um, Jalen Brunson's been excellent. He's come into the starting lineup a bit more, played more minutes with Luka Doncic. And I think that type of, you know, that type of ball handler alleviates a bit of the pressure he was having offensively beforehand. Where, And I also think that Luka is traditionally one of those players that, let's just say, plays himself into shape a little bit as the season goes on because he likes mm. to have a summer play in Fortnite on a boat <laughs> or whatever he was doing. Uh, so that, that, I didn't have too much to mention about them, just thought it was uh, important to yeah, know pretty decent. I think part of the reason why people aren't paying too much attention to the Mavs, one, because, as you say, a lot of the recent performances of what, of what have bumped up their record, so maybe if they sustain it for a little bit longer, then people start taking notice. But I think the main reason is, the expectation that was on Luca this year. I think a lot of people had him as potentially the front runner for MVP. And the fact that he's regressed a little bit from last season is what has maybe taken people's expectations down on the team as a whole. Um, I've got a question for Dallas in terms of, well, for you two about Dallas. Um, 
So, I mean, I know he's been out now through uh, the health and safety protocols that the NBA have put on for, for the Rona. Um, but prior to that, he'd actually been playing quite well. I'd noticed Kristaps Porzingis. Um, and obviously, he can't. It, it, it's just at the minute, it's probably in some ways quite nice that he's actually getting a rest after quite a few games that he's played. Him and Luca haven't played together for like a month, I've seen. But when he's playing like this, again... Would you then look to potentially see right now that this is probably the best time to trade him or would you roll the dice with him for the second half of the season? Well, it's, it's interesting because when you look at them as a pairing, I actually think you look and you think Porzingis and Luca should work quite well. But there's obviously something doesn't click. And with Porzingis, it's always a case of can he stay healthy? And the answer looks like it's still probably no, but... It, it is difficult because he's such a unique player and you think, you know, if, if they can work it out and, and and you know, play seamlessly as a as a pair of the two best players on the court and they should be able to give nearly any team a lot of problems. I I probably wouldn't look to trade him if it was me. I'd, I'd see how it goes. But I will say, even though Porzingis did for a period when Luca wasn't playing, looked like he'd he'd really stepped up. He's still shooting for the season pretty horrifically, so mm. we'll have to see when he comes back if he really full gets up to full speed alongside Luca to, to gauge how. Well, I thought he was shooting well three point wise. No, I think for the season he's on. He, yeah, for the season he's on twenty eight percent, so he's definitely not shooting well for the season. No, but the the real the real look will be when the when them two are back and. Both fully firing, then you can gauge how well how well the Mavs are going to do towards the end of the season and into the playoffs. I still think Porzingis's value is probably quite low, and unfortunately, I'm not sure how much higher it will get because people will just be concerned about whether he can stay healthy or not. And like Lewis says, I, I think the answer to that is probably he never will be able to. Um, you don't get that many injuries at that height, and sort of transition seamlessly into a career of health. Though it can happen. I'm not saying it, it won't, but I, I would lean on the side of it doesn't. I think what annoys me about Podzingas more than anything is that he doesn't play like he's seven foot three. He plays like a you know, he likes to play out on the perimeter. He doesn't go in the post, that's fine. But defensively I think he's been lacking for a couple years now and rebounding wise as well. Uh not good enough for me. But you know, I think Right now, it is fine. I think as things sort of develop with Luca, you're going to have to get a bit more serious at some stage because, you know, they've, they've not got forever with him. And if he doesn't have a championship by the time this, his, you know, his extension ends, then the pressure mounts a little bit, doesn't it? Like it did with Yanis last time. Yeah. So, yeah, um, we'll see how that develops. So, again, I put them sort of in the Memphis bracket, actually, Memphis, Utah. Dallas either all around the same sort of caliber and the Lakers I would probably put in there as well. And then Golden State and the Suns are clear for me. Mm. I mean that's me that's me done in terms of teams I think I want to speak about in the in the West this week. Yeah. Is there anyone for either of you? Yeah, I mean the only thing I would say for the to round out the West would just be to highlight, although the Lakers truly are rubbish. LeBron James is playing at an unbelievable yeah, yeah. level at the moment. It's since he's they almost... moved into centre, he's really kicked it. Like he's really yeah. like changed the team up a bit from it. Yeah, and he's almost averaging the most points per game in the league. And I think it's only Kevin Durant that's, that's ahead of him. He's on twenty nine mm-hmm. points nearly. 
nearly seven and a half rebounds, six and a half assists on some for him, some really high percentages. Fifty, you know, fifty-two point eight percent field goal is you know that's what you'd expect for him. But he's three points up. He's averaging over thirty-seven percent from three, and most importantly, he's nearly at eighty percent from the free throw line, which compared to the last few years for LeBron is actually pretty incre- a pretty incredible increase. Um, another key statistic with that is he's playing 37 minutes a game, <laughs> which is not what you really want for your 37-year-old star. And I mean, yeah, they brought in Russell Westbrook, I think, purely to give LeBron a break in the regular season so that he can, you know, relax a little bit more, not carry as much. But obviously that hasn't panned out like they wanted it to. Yeah. And I and don't you know, really like their team. I agree with you. I yeah. think they're a bit and rubbish, but you, you can't rule about... out. Yeah, you can't rule them out purely because of who's on that, Ross. You know, the, you, you, you just are hoping that the individual talent will finally catch up and, and they'll be able to put something together. But, you know, you talk about LeBron being put a centre in it, facilitating the offence and his scoring, and it has. But the issue is, you look at the other end and when he's been playing centre defensively again, they look terrible. They cannot yeah. stop anyone. No, totally. I mean, the the thing with them with the Lakers as well is, and this is sort of what LeBron does in terms of this sort of time period as well. Especially that they were, I don't think they were in doubt, but they were in danger of being in doubt of making sort of the dead set playoff run and not being in the playing. Um, and they're going to have to fight for guaranteed playoff spots, I think, and not be in that playing. So, um, one thing I want to say before we move to the East as well is, I believe quite re- well. I think it's not breaking news, but quite recent news, is that the Clippers are sort of operating with mm. the assumption Paul George won't be back for the rest of the season, which is obviously a big blow for them. It kind of rules out. I mean, if he's not back by the end of the season, then I don't know what the situation is with Kawhi. If Paul George isn't going to be back, just sort of well, I'd keep Kawhi on ice. I, uh, yeah. I, I think there were murmurs about Kawhi maybe playing again at some point during the season. Yeah. As you say, if Paul George is out, then... Judging by recent history with Kawhi, he's probably not going to be coming back. Yeah, so that would you know open up a space for maybe another two. I think it's kind of difficult when you get to those outer edges, outer edges of the Western Conference. But you know you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves there, my beloved Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> and then it's a big drop off there from them to the Spurs, and then you've got the Kings and all that. So yeah, I think who I mean, even if the Lakers do have to play in the play-in. I think they'll be pretty comfortable winning that yeah. one. It's just after that, I don't think they will do personally, but that's just mm-hmm. me. No, yeah, indeed. Right, let's move on to the East then. Um, is there anyone in particular? Then, yeah, this, uh, this is the other thing I want to talk about. And it's the Lakers, a lot of the time, have been blasted for their defence. But they're, they're a team that's defense is even worse and is truly horrible is the Atlanta Hawks. They've, they've been a big disappointment this year, I'd say. Well, I think everyone would say they're currently 17 and 22. They're 12th in the East. And just, just to you know, put for a stat out there before I carry on, they are currently 27th in defensive rating at the moment. And it, it's... It's strange because Trey Young is playing so well at the moment. He's uh, he's averaging twenty eight points and nearly ten assists for the season. A hundred percent for me, an all star. All all his shooting efficiencies are up. So offensively, they're fine. Well, they should be fine, especially with uh, their main star performing like that. 
but they're just so like the Lakers with LeBron. They're so horrific defensively, but even to an even larger extent, that they're just not going to be able to do anything. It's, yeah, it's so strange the sort of disparity from them last year to mm. to this year because I know you're always going to have struggles defensively when you've got a guy like Trey Young, um, who doesn't he just doesn't play a lick of defense if we're being fair, but it, it it didn't seem to matter in that playoff run and you know for a good portion of the regular season last year, so I'm not sure why it's just gone so catastrophically wrong this season. Um, Clint Capella hasn't been as good this year, I don't think, personally. But it's an overall team thing. And maybe it's a case of, and you get this sometimes, there's just too many guys on that team. And a lot of them, their strength isn't defence. And that's just sort of played in. I don't think their offence has been as good this season, I will say that. Um, Just from an eye test, I'm not sure what their offensive rating is. Um, Let me have a little look. Oh, they're third offensively, to be fair, but it doesn't look as it just doesn't look as fluid to me. Trey, like you said, has been really good, but I think partly it might be a case of the East has just got better a little bit. You know, the Hornets have improved, the Bulls have improved, Washington as well, and I think that's just sort that sort of increased competitiveness has kind of resulted in a few disappointing seasons. Um, one of those teams I do want to talk about, um, but. Yeah, they need to get better. Um, I can't see a world in which they don't make the play-in, but it's very viable. It is. Yeah, and I think this is why, well, one of the main reasons why we have seen those murmurs about them potentially being interested in Ben Simmons, even though, Mm. you know, you've got two playmakers in Trey Young and Ben Simmons, how would they fit? But because their defense has been so bad, I don't know if there's any validity to the rumors, but that's why it's been making the rounds. I do like potential because they've got some, you know, some good young assets that maybe the Sixers could could mm. sort of latch onto a little bit. That you know, I think if the Sixers were going to do anything like that, keeping you know holding on to Ben Simmons was purely for the reason that you know you could get some of these teams that are panicking and yeah. I would target Atlanta for that person because I think they've got some good young assets that could maybe pry. I, and, I, yeah, saw, some, I saw some rumours that John Collins wasn't really happy with. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he wasn't happy. He's never happy. Yeah, it would definitely include John Collins, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter. Like, it'd be those types <laughs> of players. I think the, the issue at the moment is, is we've also seen on the 76ers side the rumours about Tobias Harris potentially being included with Ben Simmons to shop around. <laughs> And that is the PD trade of all time. <laughs> well, yeah, well, what that indicates to me is is they're looking for one real superstar player to try and get as opposed to yeah. getting the younger players and the pieces to try and work with. Yeah, John Collins and Jalen Bede isn't exactly a very seamless fit either. I mean, I, I like John Collins, but is, is that really going to do that much for you? Mm. Absolutely not. He dunked on Embiid once. That was pretty cool. He did do that, yeah, and then he made a T-shirt of it. But yeah, um, <clears throat> I mean, speaking of those Sixers, we do avoid those in majority of podcasts that we record. Um, they've been doing quite well recently. I think they're on the second biggest win streak in the league. Um, it's just for me, I'm not really sure where what the Sixers' ceiling is this season. Um, I would expect a sort of second round 
playoffs, maybe, from the Sixers, I think. But it's just because of how strong the East is this year, I think, primarily. Yeah, that and the, the Ben Simmons situation as well, I think, just adds a... A massive bit. Well, I think that'll be. I, I think he. I, I think he'll be traded. I can't really see a way back. Yeah, I. Now. I also don't so, see him playing another game. Yeah, I don't think that'll be an issue come playoff time. Um, yeah, but my point is, I can't gauge how I think they'll do in the playoffs until I see what the final teams actually. Yeah, that's fair. Like. That's fair. That's fair. Um, I'll say about uh, the Sixers. John Bead's averaging twenty-seven points, which is the fifth most in the league. Uh, so far this season, and he's playing uh, 33 minutes per game, which is less than, you know, 37 that KD and LeBron are playing so far. Um, Giannis is playing yeah. 32, and he's got 28 points, which is pretty mental. <laughs> yeah, and and I mean, that's, that's the point, being that, you know, when you're trying to decide what these 76ers could do, you have a player in Embiid who is the second or first, depending where you land on what basket, type of basketball you like, second or first best centre in the NBA mm-hmm. so if you've got a player like that if you can put the right piece around him then they can compete with the top teams but yep. you don't know what the team's going to look like around him so you can't gauge it and obviously got... there's the injury troubles with Embiid which play a factor exactly you've got to maximize if you've got a top 10 player I think you have to maximise the window as much as possible there's just not that many outs for the Sixers at the moment because like I said they're Dr. Tobias Harris trade is the most least appealing trade <laughs> for me of all time because he's on a huge amount of money and he's just not that good. That's the type of contract. Like, I can have, I can kind of stomach paying that much for like someone like Russell Westbrook who's on a really lot of money, but he is, you know, he'll mess up in the playoffs and all that, but he is quite a good player. But paying a slightly above average player, and he's never been an all-star. He's a decent player. I'm not trying to hate on him too much, but paying him that amount of money, that's something that, that really sort of, I can't stomach personally. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there were stages last year where he was really good, but I mean, I, we all, I all said it at the time when, yeah, I all said it at the time, it was a horrendous contract that was given to him, but it was just, I mean, the Sixers have had track record now, they go about Horford and Max, so it's, <laughs> it's stuff like that really, but um if the Sixers are looking to do Harrison Simmons, then it's going to call, sort of mediate the, the trade package and maybe lessen their expectations of what they're going to get in terms of saying that they only want a top 25 player back. Potentially that's how they're going to do it. And then just yeah. have a sort-ish, sort of-ish reset. Um, and then just, well, quote-unquote build um, around and bead. But um I mean, who knows in terms of that one? Uh, one thing I did want to see, uh, speak about, sorry. Um, I did forget, but go, going back to it, the one thing in the West, I don't know if you saw, did you see the Devon, the Suns Raptors game? Yeah. Do you know about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, it's pretty bad, realistically speaking, in terms of the, <laughs> if there's anybody in the, like, if, in a normal NBA scenario, especially in Toronto, the, the fans are, can get pretty rowdy, right? And they're going to do their utmost to put you off towards the dire stages of the game when you're at the free throw line. Um, obviously, in Toronto at the minute, no fans in the stadium of the Raptors. And the, the I don't know what the actual, I don't know if he's got an actual name, but the Raptor mascot that was behind the basket as Devin Booker's taking these free throws, he's just putting his arms up, just, just trying to distract him. Not like there wouldn't be 5,000 people there clapping anything together and trying to put him off. Devin Booker got so upset and annoyed, he screamed at him, shouted at him, and moaned to the refs to send him into the timeout corner. Um, 
which is pretty bad, realistically. It's, it yeah. is, there, there was a few things of like him crying afterwards, and then obviously there's the whole uh, there's the whole point of, of Devin Booker a few years ago moaning that he was getting double teamed all year in the in the preseason gym. But I mean, it was just something to note, really. It's uh, it's something as well. I mean, you can look at it one way if it's embarrassing, or you look at it the other way if that. It probably means so much to him to win and try and get that number one seed for the Western Conference. Because, I mean, Devin Booker's quite a hungry guy in terms of trying to win. He's always made that clear. But um, <laughs> did you two think that was embarrassing or do you think that's just fine? I spirit? think it's just, a, it's just a funny non-story, really. Like, <laughs> I think it's just something you laugh at and you move on. Yeah, I agree. I, I looked up the name of the Raptors mascot and he's literally just called the Raptor. Oh, he's uh, just called the Raptor. <laughs> which is pretty... In- I mean, they were not creative, I can't lie. Right, yeah. <laughs> nah. Oh, it was like Ronnie the Raptor or something like that. Right, okay. Um, right, we'll go back. Sorry, that was a bit of a detour from, from one conference to the other in terms of that. But um, we can go back to the other one. There is another team that I do want to talk about, personally, on uh, on the East. And if we mention the Sixers, then you've got to mention the Celtics. So, <laughs> a down a down bad. The Celtics are down bad. Um I think this is worse than probably any Boston fan was probably going to imagine at the start of this season. They probably wouldn't have had that high expectations anyway, but they would have been expecting a lot better than 10th coming into January. Um, is there danger that Boston fall out of the planes? Because, I mean, you're looking at it, and we're talking about how we can't see Atlanta not being in the planes. The Knicks have been quite good this year, and I still think they've got some improvements. Like, Kemba's coming back, and he's been playing okay. Julius Randle still is really good. Is there a way of which the Celtics don't make the plane? Uh, I would say the Knicks and the Celtics both suck. I will, I'll put that out there now. The Knicks are not a good basketball team. So it's just more of who who either steps it up or who just carries on being terrible. And, and this is, when I say this, I'm comparing, especially with the Knicks, to, the, to last season where they did end up with a home court advantage in the playoffs which obviously exceeded everyone's expectations, but they are also another team that has regressed a lot. And a lot of that was to do with just trying to figure out what part of their roster worked together and what didn't, because you saw throughout the season, the starting five was doing terribly, and then they'd bring in their bench unit and it would do much better. So then you had to try to figure that out. And then Kemba started performing well. So I, I just think it's it's a bit of a mess of the Knicks at the moment. They're, they've been all right. They've been better in their last 10 thing or last last few but I still think they've got a lot to figure out and the Celtics have a lot to figure out I think I think it still to this day boggles people's minds how they're how much they've struggled with recently trying to get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to work together well because it shouldn't really be an issue but it somehow is yeah it's it's a really hard thing to decipher for me because they made an Eastern Conference Finals, not last season, but the season before, with those two guys together. And I think part of, part of it is they do need like a playmaker with them. Neither of them can create for others, or neither of them look very, very fun to play with in that regard, offensively anyway. And I think that speaks volumes for why they're so bad in full quarters. Um, they're, they're genuinely putrid. They're giving up some really big leads. And they're, you know, I mean, they're still young, don't get me wrong, but they're old enough not to, to make the type of mistakes they make in those four quarters now. I think it's a symptom of, you know, I think the coach has thrown out some pretty bad lineups. You mentioned you, the Knicks sort of finding their way throughout the season, what types of lineups work together. I can 
tell you now that Al Horford and Robert Williams don't work together for the Celtics and they mm. keep playing together and it's just horrible, horrible spacing. Um but really on the it just has come down to will Jason Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown be a consistently successful, you know, leading two together. I I don't see it personally. I don't think they can be. Like their skill sets don't really complement each other. I'm not saying they're bad players by any stretch of imagination. If they were to be put on the trade market right now, I think 29 other teams in the league would be like, I want one of those players. Like, Mm. no doubt in my mind. But I don't think either one of them is a very good leader, which surprised me because I thought Jalen Brown had those types of qualities. I don't think, yeah, I I, I just don't think it's going to work with them two together as your your two best players. Maybe there's a, a bit of a complex there where maybe they're more secondary pieces and they need that leading guy but we've seen it for a couple years now I don't know really what else to say because I just don't think it's going to work with them too and yeah that that's that's my two cents anyway yeah and it's interesting that we talk about these two teams because I think they've played it they've played each other twice in like the last week I think and they took a game each (laughs) off of each other so it just shows you how you know, for different reasons, they're kind of in the similar standings at the moment. I and think I think there has there has been some murmurs, sorry, just quickly, about the Knicks potentially trading for Jeremy Grant. I think that's come up recently. Mm. Yeah, I think uh, also the Bulls were rumoured with Jeremy Grant as well, and I think that'd be a really good di- addition for them. I, I, I think a leadership issue is a really big thing at Boston. I don't really like these sort of soft factor type things because I can't measure him. I, I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what's going on. But one of those two guys should be... One of your best players should be the one leading. And I don't think either of them do. And I think it results in these soft leads that they give up just so, so easily. I think Marcus Smart is probably the quote-unquote leader in that in that dressing room. And mm. he's an average role player, if I'm being generous, really. So, that... that <laughs> was quite harsh there wasn't I really but I think uh, yeah I think the main thing with Marcus Smart is he's he's a good NBA player he's a you know he's a good defender but I think what he's asked yeah or what he has to do in the starting lineup alongside Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum is not what he's best at and I think that's why he he struggles a bit in that Boston team. Realistically, I think they've missed Gordon Hayward since he left. I think he brought a mm. bit of that playmaking news yeah. that they have missed. But that, that can't be the only thing. Mm. That, I mean, they brought in play. I, I don't think they brought in anyone that can really change their situation. And to be fair, the team hasn't really changed much from last year. You know, you plug in Dennis Schroeder, who's been disappointing for me as well. You know, Kemba was there last year, but he didn't. He was, yeah, traded. So I, I I don't know why I'm expecting to see any sort of development this year, but it just is quite disappointing. I'm only disappointed because I know how talented those two players are. I, I, re- I really like them both. I kind yeah. of prefer Jalen Brown to Jason Tatum, but that's probably quite a controversial opinion. Yeah, I, I think um, I would go with, definitely go with Tatum over Brown. Yeah, no, but even so, I, as I, you say, they're two fantastic players who, if they did end up deciding to trade one because they didn't feel like it could work, Every other team in the NBA would be interested yeah. in it, and you'd be sort of sad to let one of them go because yeah. they've got very, very high potential. But if you're not going to build around them correctly, then 
you know, they're not going to trade them. I'll say this now. They're not going to trade either one of them, I don't think. But I don't think they'll trade this year. Potentially convert to in the summer, depending on how the rest of the uh, how the rest of the season goes for them. Well, get them a good point guard who can actually make plays. You know, play make for them a little bit and take that. Yeah, sort of a real pressure. playmaker is definitely what is desperately needed. Yeah, and then we'll see where it is. If this still the same situation, I'm sorry. I think I think you got to pull the trigger then, personally. Potentially so. Um, right, I'm going to wrap that one up there, unless you have anything quickly you want to speak about. No, I think that's it. I think the we, we touched on Kyrie, obviously. So, in terms Indeed. of the East, I think that's about it. Indeed. Um, so, obviously, we was running a Christmas giveaway over the Christmas period. Uh, a little bit later than planned to sort of give these away, but uh, they're on our Twitter and our Instagrams. Uh, and we have the winners selected. Uh, from Instagram, It's <laughs> his username is TrampsiderTom. And NBA UK 420. And on Twitter, we've got uh, Stony J Triple Six and DJ Nathy B. Um, we'll be contacting you via Twitter and Instagram uh, via DMs. Um, we'll get you in touch with with NBA uh, 2K or the guys over there, and we'll sort out your prizes for them. So, um, hundred pound NBA store voucher, some copies of NBA 2K, and some NBA League passes, which we were jealous of. We were very jealous of because they're mm. they're very handy to have, especially for the playoffs. Yeah especially throughout the playoffs when play has come about. So, um, yeah, I think we'll wrap that one up there. Uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, make sure you're following us, as I've just said, on our Twitter, on our Instagram, TikToks. We're on absolutely everything. Go over there. Um, make sure you're following the podcast on whatever you're listening to right now. And if you could leave us a review, that would help us more than you know. Um, and, yeah, check out our website, www.swingmanpod.com. And that's that. And we'll catch you in the next podcast next week. Thank you very much for listening and peace.